Welcome to Resilience Today, the audio collection of Resilience Ministries. My name is Lindsay Jolly, and I'm a biblical counselor for women and families in the Northeast Tennessee area. If you'd like more information or have any other questions, visit me at resilienceministries.com. So let me ask you two questions. I always start off with these two questions. Um, If you were going to go out to dinner or coffee with someone that you really liked, one of your favorite people, um, how long would would you go for? You can just shout out an amount of time. If you were going to go out, let's say dinner. If you're going to go to lunch or dinner, maybe lunch would be shorter than dinner. But if you're going to go to dinner with a friend that you that you liked, not a friend you didn't like, um, how long would you go for? Two hours. Yes. Three or four. <laughs> Three or four hours, yes. Okay. I have friends like that, and we like plan we're going to be there for an hour, Karen and I, and then we're there for three hours. And I'm like, oh shoot, we forgot we have like a to do list today. Um, okay. Why would you not go for 15 or 20 minutes? What could you accomplish? What could you accomplish in what way? What do you mean by that? Because why? Just get started. Somebody, you just get started in the conversation. Okay. What else? Somebody else. Why would you not go for fifteen or twenty minutes? I just want to be. There. You just want it. You like them. Yeah, I just want to be. With them. You want to spend so I time with them. them. I like to be with them. I want to stay there and spend Exactly. Um, but you can get a whole lot. Now, don't be on the that. Now, just stick with me. You can get stuff from 15 or 20 minutes with Jesus, but there's a point to this. So, um, let me ask you another question, because I've asked, you've probably heard these questions before. I don't know if you have or not. But if you were going to get a massage, does anybody like to go to the spa here? Anybody? Who? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you like to go to the spa, okay? About half of us. Um, if you were going to go, who likes getting massages? Anybody like to get a massage? Okay. If you had a choice between a 10-minute massage and, say, a 30-minute or an hour massage, of those three, which one would you pick? An hour. An hour. Wow. Okay. Why would you prefer an hour massage to a 10-minute massage? They get better the longer they go. They get better the longer they go. They do. Why? Why do they get better the longer they go? Because you're able to relax more. Yeah. Um, so our time with the Lord, I, at least in my personal life, I liken it a lot to having dinner with a friend. And I also liken it a lot to getting a massage. Um, because um, dinner with a friend to me symbolizes building friendship, building relationship. And getting a massage to me symbolizes rest and renewal. And... When I go to dinner with a friend, this doesn't always happen. You have some friends that you can sit down and you're like, okay, here's the deal. Like if you've had a crisis or you just go straight to it. But sometimes even if you're really, really close to that friend, just the natural tendency of the conversation is it goes from the immediate to the broader to the deeper. Because lots of times when you show up to dinner, you'll say, man, traffic getting here was crazy and 
man, work was just awful today, or work was great today, or um, whatever happened right before you came, often you talk about first. And then maybe you look around, man, I love this restaurant, or what are you going to get to eat, or what are you going to do? And you kind of talk about what's immediately going on, or I have a headache, or whatever's immediate. And then the longer you're there, you're like, what have you been doing this week? Well, I've been doing this this week. You might talk about that for a while. And then the longer you're there, well, how's life? Like, how's your heart? If you're close to somebody, how's your heart doing? How are you? And that just tends, not always, but it tends to be the natural flow of human conversation as it goes from the immediate to the broader and to the deeper. That's my subjective opinion. Um, Similarly with a massage, this is what happens to me. Usually the first 5, 10, 15 minutes, I'm like just trying to dial down, you know, Especially because I usually don't get a massage in the morning. I, I think, I mean, sometimes maybe I do, but it seems like I'm usually going there after rushing from somewhere else. And it just takes me time just to kind of dial down. So the first 5, 10, 15 minutes, I'm just kind of coming down from wherever I was. And getting, and then like 30 minutes in, I'm like, man, this, I'm in the zone now. And like 45 minutes in, I'm like, well, I'm jello. Right? So it's like you get more and more relaxed and more and more focused as that time goes by. So most people, when I ask them, how, you know, what does your devotional time with the Lord look like? It looks, it's usually between about 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe 25. It's rare that somebody says 30 or more minutes. Um, so before I say all this, this is not about being a good or bad Christian. Um, what I'm going to teach you today is a minimum 45-minute devotional practice, and we're going to split it up into three 15-minute segments, okay? So I'm not going to give you one thing and say, okay, 45 minutes, no distractions. I'm going to give you steps, okay? Um, and I want you to keep in mind that it really does take a lot of us, 5, 10, 15 minutes, just to, like, Settle our hearts and settle our minds down. Um, and then, once you're settled, then you start talking about things with the Lord. And the longer you talk to Him, the deeper it often goes. Sometimes you go straight to the heart of the matter. But sometimes, like, you can't even process the deeper stuff because whatever happened to you that day and yesterday is so on your mind that you've just got to get through that so that you can get to the deeper stuff. So I think sometimes that's why when, when we've wrestled with whether it's anxiety or depression, I'm a counselor, so that's probably going to come up, um, or um, felt stuck emotionally or spiritually in a place in our life for a long time, it's because often in our times with the Lord, we've, we're, we don't have even the quantity time to process the deeper stuff because it, it takes quantity time to process that. It's not because you're a better Christian, or a worse Christian, if you have longer or shorter quiet times, it's because it just practically takes conversation. You think about if you get in an argument with your spouse or something with your child and you've got to work through that with them, it doesn't usually, sometimes you can just kiss and make up, but sometimes you're like, man, there's stuff we need to be able to talk through on a deeper level, like Amber was saying they did this weekend. And, um, and that just, it just humanly requires some quantity time. So this, the same is true um, in our devotional time with the Lord. Um, so I need to make sure everybody has a piece of paper and a pen. If you don't, raise your hand. And if somebody's got their hand raised, I did not bring extra paper. But can somebody else? <laughs> 
tear a page out of their journal and give them a piece of paper because you need to take notes this morning. Anybody need a pen? All right, we're good. So the first thing that I want you to write down on your paper is um, deep friendship with God and soul renewal. I'll repeat this. Deep friendship with God and soul renewal requires quality and quantity time. It doesn't mean you're better or worse Christian. It's not about fulfilling an obligation. It's about developing a friendship with God, and it's about resting in Him and finding renewal in Him and experiencing transformation in Him. So it's not about guilt. It's because our souls get tired, and we need rest. It's because our spirits and our minds get tired, and we need rest. I just listened to this woman. Has anybody ever heard of Dr. Caroline Leaf before? She's a cognitive, a Christian cognitive neuroscientist. And she says we need 16 minutes at least one time a day just to sit and do nothing for your brain to process and think. So actually, the first 16 minutes of your devotional time is going to be similar to that. So um, let me say this one other thing uh, about... This. So what, the goal that I'm going to set for us is to spend a minimum of 45 minutes with God, a minimum of three times a week. And on the other days, still spending time with him, but maybe not 45 minutes. Okay, And that's just a good goal to, to start towards. But if you're really in, 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 in your time with the Lord, um, go for an hour and a half if you have that. I, I don't often have that because I've got small children this season of life. And there is grace in different seasons of life that are, are more demanding than others. Um, but one of the ways that I think about it a little bit is, you know, the scripture it says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every uh, word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I think lots of times we live on spiritual power bars. You know, and the thing about a spiritual power bar is, if you ate a power bar physically in the, in, the, in the natural every day for every meal, there's two things that would happen. Number one, you would not enjoy it very much. If all you're ever eating is power bars, you're like, I'm so sick of this. Like, please, somebody give me some variety in my meals. Number two, maybe you would be getting some good nutrients, but probably not because it's probably some fake stuff. I don't know. There's probably all in it, too. But your nutrients is not going to be very varied. And so I think sometimes we do that in our devotional time. We eat lots of spiritual power bars, and, we, and then we don't enjoy it. And we say, why, why am I not enjoying this? And it's because we're feeding ourselves just like, you know, a power bar or a shake for spiritual food. Does that make sense? It's not bad. It's better than not eating. Like, not eating at all would be, would be worse. It's great to eat a power bar as opposed to nothing. But what the Lord wants to really give us is a feast and yet we often miss out on it um, and I am including myself in that it is a spiritual battle probably one of the biggest spiritual battles in every single one of our lives is 
fighting for our lives to revolve around Jesus and not to fit him in our schedule. And that's one of the things that I have to remind myself over and over and over. This is just my personal conviction for me is, Lindsay, your life is meant to revolve around your devotional time. I really feel convicted personally about that. Like my whole life, for me, I'm not putting that on anybody else, but for me personally, I feel like my whole life is meant to bow to my devotional time. And I have to fight for that because it is so hard. Because, honestly, and I have to confess this as sin a lot, I'm very self-reliant. And that's very arrogant of me. And I think, oh, I can do this. I can live without this. I can make this happen. I can live on yesterday's manna, which is food that God fed the Israelites in the wilderness. I can live on yesterday's words from God. And I can for a while. And I, but if I did that for months, I'm going to be really dry. Even if I do that for a couple weeks, I'm going to be starving spiritually and emotionally. I'm going to be tired. I'm exhausted. And so one of the things that I have to fight for is confessing and repenting of self-reliance and pride and reminding myself, Lindsay, how can your entire life revolve around your devotional time? And I remember I used to feel false guilt. I don't know if anybody's ever felt that before, especially if you have kids. But I used to feel false guilt about spending time with the Lord because I felt like I should be doing something. I should be working and I should be doing this. But I'll just say that is from the enemy. That is, that is not real guilt. That's not real conviction. That's false guilt. Because the first, first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so... Um, Part of me from my life in keeping the first commandment first is asking God to help me to fight for my whole life to revolve around my devotional time. Because if, if I don't have that mindset, it takes a back seat. And that happens a lot. It takes a back seat in my life a lot. But I have to re-up on it. And I have to repent. And I have to confess. So that's not to make you feel guilty. I just know I've learned it is a means of grace. You know, um, Scripture says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And my devotional time is life. It's like he's breathing oxygen into my soul. And there's even times, y'all are going to think I'm crazy, but there's, there's times in my devotional time where I just close my eyes and he's like, just be still. You really don't think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. Um, I just get a picture of me sitting in a hospital bed and Jesus holding an oxygen mask on my face. And I just sit there with my eyes closed and look at that picture and be still. And it does something in my soul to just sit there and be still and let him breathe life into me. And I, the other thing that happened is the first few times that that picture would come to mind in prayer for me, I, would, I like really received it. And then after like a few months and years go by, I noticed I would see that picture and I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, you want me to rest God. Okay, now what's next? And then after I've done that for a number of months, I realized, no, he wants me to sit there and think on that picture and be for an amount of time. <laughs> and so I even have to challenge myself, just sit and think on Jesus and just let him talk to you. Now, the thing about that is if our minds are not renewed through the word, it's very hard to sit because our minds start thinking about bad things. We start thinking of condemning thoughts. We start worrying. And so that's one of the reasons that, that our minds being renewed by the word is so important. Because 
it helps us to be able to sit. And I know there's people in this room, including myself, that some people struggle more than others with being still. Some people avoid being still because it's so uncomfortable for them. And yet scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. And Jesus went away to quiet, and it says lonely places, because he, even though he was God, needed to be with his Father. Okay? So, we're going to split your piece of paper basically up into three sections. I'm going to try to go through this quick so that we can get to our small groups. Um, So, the first 15 minutes is worship. With music. And you want to prep for this ahead of time. So ahead of time, on your phone, or I don't even know if people have iPods anymore, but um, whatever you listen to music on, (laughs) whatever you listen to music on, you want to make a playlist ahead of time, okay? And you want to make two playlists. And I'm just saying try this out. If you don't like the way I'm saying it, you figure out your own way, okay? This is what I do. I have a playlist of worship music that's quiet and soft and kind of therapeutic. It helps me calm down while I'm focusing on the Lord. I have another playlist that's celebratory and funky, and I listen to that when I'm in the car, okay? I listen to the other two. But then I have a second playlist, and I could probably send these out in a link and put them on the website too, um, that is just um, instrumental music. And specifically for me, I just, and you might be different, but I really like ambient music. That's some of what I've played here that doesn't really have much of a melody. It's just kind of some quiet tones because it helps me focus rather than thinking about, oh, like I had to get distracted easy. So ambient instrumental music, and I really love it if it's been created for the purpose of worship as well. Because sometimes you can get in some weird Eastern, like, I don't know, Uh, Hindu something and um, I just like I mean you can redeem some ambient music for Jesus but I just like knowing it was already made for Jesus so um, I want to read a couple scriptures Psalm 23 I love this psalm it says the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. So the thing about that is it's so interesting. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. It doesn't say he lets me or he allows me. He actually makes me do it. He helps me. We need it. And it also says he restores my soul, which means our souls need restoration. Right? And how does he say that that, that he restores our souls? It says that... It's through lying down. It's beside being quiet. So sometimes, like, I'll take a weekend alone, even by myself. And I used to think, oh, I need to be real spiritual and get straight to the spiritual stuff. But now I've learned, oh, I'm just going to sleep for, like, ten hours. And then I'm going to be really spiritual. Um, because physical rest is just as important as spiritual rest. And so it just came to mind with the whole lying down thing. But... Um, Another scripture that goes along with starting with worship is Psalm 100, verse 3. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And it's talking about the gates and the courts of the temple. In the Old Testament, God's physical manifest presence was in a temple. 
And it says, enter into that temple with praise and thanksgiving. And that's actually an instruction for us now. Not because, yes, it's because he's worthy and he's deserving of our praise and thanksgiving. But it's also because there's another scripture that says, he inhabits the praises of his people. And when we worship him, when we praise him, his presence (coughs) fills us. He's always in us. He's, he, when we're born of the Spirit, when we're born again, when we come to faith in Christ, He fills us with His Holy Spirit. But it also, the Scriptures also say, be filled with the Spirit, which means there's times when we can experientially feel less filled with the Spirit than others. It doesn't mean we lost the Holy Spirit, but we need to be filled with Him. And one of the ways that He fills us with His presence is through worship. That's one of the ways that we draw near to God. So when you have this 15 minutes, kind of the vibe of it, I really think of it like going to, I have a friend that used to call it the Holy Spirit Spa, and and I just think of it as the same vibe as if I was going to a spa. I want to take some deep breaths, I want to close my eyes, I want to let my body relax, I want to let my mind relax, I want to just dial down. And tune in to him. Those are kind of the two words that come to mind. Dial down and tune in to the Lord. Sometimes I sing along. Sometimes I just listen. But the important thing to remember is you're dialing down. But you also want to do. This might be helpful to write down. Do what helps you to engage and connect with him. If it helps you to sit, sit. If it helps you to stand, stand. If it helps you to kneel, Neil, but think about and be responsive to how the Spirit is just nudging you. What is it that helps you to engage and tune in to Him as you're dialing down? Does that make sense? So you're going to take yes or no? Everybody with me? Yeah? Okay. Um, Okay, there's also two other things that will be helpful to you. One is turn your phone off, not even on vibrate like totally off, unless you have some emergency that could happen. Um, and that the other rule with that is, and I break this, and I have to like fight it all the time, don't even text, because we think, oh, I can just send one text, but then it turns into a conversation, and then you remember something else. So I have like tried to discipline myself to write down, because I always remember the people I forgot to text when I sit down for my worship time. And so I have to remind myself, write down their name, on my piece of paper. So all the distractions that come to mind, on the corner of my journal, I write down my distractions. So that's another thing to write down. As distractions come to mind, people you need to text, stuff you need to get at the grocery store, you write it down on the corner of your journal. And it helps it just get it off your mind. Okay? Um, and there was another reminder. I think that's it. So what I do for the first 5, 10, 15 minutes is just listen to worship music and just, and just relax and just draw near to him in that, okay? Now we're going to talk about the second 15 minutes. Now the thing about the second step and the third step is these two, it doesn't matter what order you do them in, okay? I think worship is very helpful to do first. Although if you're like, man, God put that scripture on my mind, then go straight to scripture first. That's fine. Worship is very helpful for me to do first. 
But as far as step two and step three go, you can switch it up according to how you feel led by the Spirit. Okay? So two-way journaling is, um, there's a scripture that says um, in Lamentations 2.19, it says, Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Pour out your heart like water in the presence of the Lord. Lots of times, we kind of give him the highlights, but we don't really pour our heart out. Or we might say, I'm angry, God. Please forgive me. Help me not to be angry. Or um, thank you for this, God. And we just kind of do like one little sentence things. But what's more helpful is if we say, this is how I feel, God. This is where my heart is right now. And this is why I feel this way. And so the sentence that I tell people to write is, and you can write this down word for word, I feel blank because of blank. I feel blank because of blank. And then you're going to write just two or three sentences about why you feel that way. And there's a difference between complaining to a group of people about some bad thing that happened in your life and gossiping and talking to the Lord and saying, here's where my heart is. I'm bringing my whole self to you, my real self to you. I feel this way, and here's why I feel this way. And then the second sentence, and more people do the first step than the second step. We usually do a lot more talking than listening. The second step is you're going to write the sentence. Um, forgot the sentence. What is it? Oh, it's a question. Um, you're going to ask the Lord the question, what are you saying to me about that? What are you saying to me about that? That question is gold. You can ask him that question about everything in your life. <laughs> um, this is not a trick question that I'm going to ask you, but who remembers how God created the world? How did God create the world? He spoke. Okay. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be fish of the sea, and there were fish. Another passage in the New Testament says, faith comes through hearing, and hearing through the word of God. Listening to God through his Holy Spirit and through the word is transformational in our lives. And one of the things that has brought such transformation to my life is learning how to hear God through his spirit. Not that I get it right 100% of the time. It's an invisible God talking to my heart. <laughs> so it's not like it's, you know, written in black and white in terms of the Holy Spirit, like the Word of God is black and white. Um, but when we want to experience transformation in our lives, we need to hear God speak to us a lot over and over and over again because when He speaks to us, He creates things in our hearts that didn't exist before. When he speaks to me, he creates comfort in my heart. When he speaks to me, he creates compassion in my heart that I didn't have before I heard him say that. When he speaks to me, he creates strength and um, encouragement in my heart when I feel weak and discouraged. And in fact, where is it? It says in Psalm 51, no, 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 no. So yeah, Psalm 51, 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within him. So we need him to create in us what we don't have. His Holy Spirit is in us, but we need him to create and recreate and recreate. That's what sanctification is. It is the process of him recreating us 
and transforming us little by little, step by step. Um, I'm trying to hurry. Some ways the Holy Spirit speaks to us in listening prayer. This could be a whole message in itself, but I'm just going to give you these quick things. In listening prayer specifically, he could bring a word or a phrase to mind. Oh, let me say this. God, the Holy Spirit often speaks through spontaneous thoughts and impressions. I'll say that. That, is a, that was a life-changing phrase in my life. The Holy Spirit often speaks through spontaneous thoughts and impressions. So, for example, there was a girl that texted, texted me Sunday morning and said, Hey, at 5.30 this morning, you came to my mind, and I was praying for you. And here's what I prayed for you. And it was exactly what I needed to hear before I had a very difficult meeting on Monday and in the midst of all about what I shared at the beginning. And that was just the Holy Spirit just nudging her heart. She's an acquaintance of mine. I don't even know her that well. And nudging her heart, say, hey, pray for Lindsay. Um, But here's some different ways that he will often speak. He might bring a word or a phrase to mind. You might want to write these down. He might bring a scripture to mind. He might bring an image or a picture to mind. That happens a lot to me, kind of like a symbolic image. That's all throughout scripture. Jesus is called the lion and the lamb. That's symbolic imagery. It's not because he's a literal lion or he's a literal lamb. It's because him being a a lion is symbolic of his strength and his protection and his power. Him being a lamb is symbolic of his gentility and his meekness and him being the sacrificial lamb on the cross for us. So all throughout scripture, there's um, God speaks symbolically to us. Um, it could be a still picture. It might even be a moving picture that comes to your mind. I'm not talking about anything odd or strange, just like just, just thoughts that come to your mind, spontaneous thoughts and impressions. Okay. Now, the one thing about that is everything that you discern or you think God may be saying to you, through the Holy Spirit, through spontaneous thoughts and impressions, all has to be filtered through the Word of God. The Word of God is our standard. If you think God is telling you something that does not agree with the truths and principles of Scripture, it's actually not God. Because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, and He's not going to tell you something different than what scripture says. So that is really helpful and important too. If you're like, is this God or is this not God? And that's a whole other teaching we could talk about too. Um, the most important thing is, does it align with the truths and principles of scripture or not? And that's kind of your, your filter. Okay? All right. We're skipping a bunch of stuff just for time's sake. So the last thing is scripture. And I suggest picking, so you, in your, in your um, small groups, if you didn't last week, by today, your small group needs to agree on a um, book of the Bible to read through together, okay? And um, as you read that, I would suggest reading it in small chunks. You don't need to read, you don't have to read a whole chapter a day. You could read half a chapter. You could read a paragraph. Different people could read different amounts on different days. It doesn't have to be like this. Um, But you want to do something that's chewable, not like, I mean, you can. You can read five chapters if you get inspired. But um, for this purpose, um, 
you want to read a passage of scripture and underline and annotate and circle and put question marks um, as you read um, what you're reading. And then one thing that I like to do if I'm reading a little bit longer passage is I'll read a paragraph and then I'll stop and I'll say, okay, if I was going to summarize that paragraph into one phrase or one sentence, what would it be? Because otherwise I can read like five paragraphs. I don't know if that happens to anybody else. And I'm like, what did I just read? I don't don't remember what I read. And so if I stop after one paragraph and title just that paragraph, it helps just with reading comprehension, just like and even remembering. So I'll read a paragraph and I'll put a title. I'll read a paragraph and I'll put a title. And it just helps me process it. But then you're going to ask yourself three questions, okay? And so you'll want to write these down. The first one is, as you have read, the first one is, what do I learn about God from this passage? What do I learn about God? So we're going to use Psalm 23 very briefly, those first three lines. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So from just those three lines, what, somebody tell me, what do we learn about God just from those three lines? He's our shepherd. He's our shepherd. Okay, so what does that mean? What, what do you, what's, another, what's a takeaway from the fact that he's our shepherd? He leads. He leads us. He protects. He protects. He does it gently. He's gentle. Okay. Um. Yeah, so as you're, as you're answering the question, what do I learn about God, you can take an idea and then extrapolate it. I never use that word. Um, my husband uses words like that, not me. Um, but you can take one concept and say, okay, if God is my shepherd, then what does that really mean? What does, that, what does a shepherd do? Well, he takes care of sheep. He... What does he do as he takes care of sheep? Well, he, he leads them around and feeds them in grass. It says in this passage he takes them to um, besides still waters. Um, so you're just kind of asked to answer the question, what do I learn about God? And when I, when I do this, I write down the question, and then I write down the answer. Okay? One of the good things about journaling, and I love this, you could write this phrase down, is it makes the invisible visible. We're interacting with an invisible God, But if we can write down the conversation we have with him, it makes it a little bit more concrete. Because it's hard to have an hour-long conversation with an invisible God who talks to you in your spirit and your head. Right? But if you can write down, here's what I'm thinking. Okay, here's what I think he might have said back to me. Here's what I'm thinking. Okay, here's the scripture that he brought to mind. It makes the invisible and the intangible much more visible and tangible and concrete. Does that make sense? Yes? Okay. Um, the second question you're going to ask is, what do I learn about human beings slash myself? So just in general, what does this scripture teach me about humanity and about human beings? What do I learn about human beings <coughs> and myself? So let's take that, passage, that same passage. He leads me, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... He leads me beside still waters. I'm botching it. I can't remember. Where to follow? I, I couldn't see who spoke. Where to follow? We need to follow him, right? So we need a leader, right? What else? What else do you learn about human beings from that? I need to rest. 
We need rest in him. Yes? We don't have to want, right? What does that what does that mean to you? He's enough. Yeah. yeah. But also, I don't think that big diamond ring or that fancy car. <laughs> no, whatever. I mean, it could be materialistic or relational yeah. or anything. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the third question you're going to answer is, or ask and answer is, how is God inviting me to respond to this? How is God inviting me to respond? And there are typically three ways that he invites us to respond. And you might want to write these down too. The first one is there could be a truth or a promise to believe and receive. A truth or a promise to believe and receive. The second one is there might be a sin that he wants you to confess and repent of. And I have really learned over the last 10 years that that is a beautiful invitation. I think in my younger years it felt more condemning and like, oh, I'm a bad person. But I have learned it's empowering and transforming to be able to own my sin and talk about it and repent from it. It's When we bring things into the light, whether it's with the Lord or with other people, it's opening up doorways to healing and freedom and joy and peace. Um, so I have a much more optimistic view of that, and I think that probably happens over time as we get to know the goodness of God better, or as for me at least. And then the third um, way he might be inviting you to respond is a command to obey command to obey. So maybe you're reading about giving to the poor. And that's not necessarily like a sin that you've been aware of or neglecting, but maybe he's just like, hey, there's some needy folks that live three doors down from you. Why don't you do something special for them? I don't know. So it could be a truth or a promise to believe or receive, which that could be not even doing anything. That could just be Maybe he's teaching you about his mercy, and he wants you to meditate on his mercy and think about his mercy and think about his kindness. Um, the second one is, what did I say it was? Sin to confess and repent of. And the third one is a command to obey. Um, okay. I'm trying to do this fast and close us up. So, any quick questions? That's it. That's 45 minutes, 15 minutes in worship, 15 minutes in two-way journaling, and I'll just say that about that. In the two-way journaling, let's say you spend five minutes telling God how you feel. Really challenge yourself to spend the next ten minutes listening. That's hard, but you got to practice it. It's like growing a muscle, You're a, the spiritual muscle of listening, okay? And then the third 15 minutes is reading scripture and... Um, Respond to interacting with it. And sometimes I'm like in a really 
hard, tough, emotional place, and I just need to tell God how I feel, and I need to say, what in the world are you saying to me about that? And that can be very helpful. Other times, I remember a passage of scripture from church that really was highlighted to me, and so I go straight to that first. So remember, you can kind of switch these up either way. I hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Remember Psalm 145 that says, The Lord is close to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. Visit me online at resilienceministries.com and don't forget to share this with a friend. Have a great day. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.